0: This morning, I want to start off with a story. Alexander Kearns was a promising young student and older brother, a sophomore at the University of Nebraska. He was interested in banking and finance, and as a part of that, he began to trade on the stock market, and he loved watching the numbers go up and down, and he learned as he was going. But on June 12, 2020, just last year, something drastic went wrong. Alexander saw the balance of his stock account at a negative $730,165, an incredible amount. He panicked and he tried three times to contact his agent to figure out what was wrong and to get answers. But in the moment, without answers, fear began to take over. And not wanting his family to be burdened with his debts, the 20-year-old took his own life. A study just recently was released by the American Journal of Epidemiology, and it found that being in debt, or facing a financial crisis, or unemployment, or past homelessness, or having a lower income, were each associated with suicide attempts. What was shocking was how much it impacted it. They found that people going through significant financial struggle are 20 times more likely to commit suicide than their peers. I was stunned when I read that. I'm still stunned as I think about that right now, 20 times more likely. As a kid, I remember reading stories in the history books and reading biblical stories about how pagan gods required uh, child sacrifice, of how these idols were so entrapping. and, and And I just remember being appalled to think about the oppression of what it was like to serve gods like that. And what it would require. And I, I remember just feeling so sorry for people who were trapped in those kinds of idolatry. But yet, it's so easy to look at the weaknesses of other people and other cultures in other times. It's a whole other story when we hold up the mirror and realize that the gods of this age are still bloody. You see, we get caught up in greed and addiction and lust and and power and in lies and in the pursuit of happiness and the freedom of choice and all of these gods can quickly become idols that, that require sacrifice for their gain. See, all of us are invested in something and we're all created to worship. It's how God made us. We're created to give our lives to something and all of us live and press towards a goal. And so the question this morning is, what am I invested in? What do I put my time, my money, my talents? Where do I invest my love? What am I passionate about and what am I willing to give my life for? What are you willing to give your life for? Where do you put your energy and your thoughts? What consumes you? What do you dream about at night? When we say, I can't wait to blank, to go on that dream beach vacation on a secluded island to buy that new shiny sports car or that new thing that we just need and it's gonna make me happy. Maybe it's that new position at work or a new relationship. Or maybe it's to post that perfect picture on social media and to watch those likes just go up. There can be so many things that drive me that that I look to for fulfillment. Maybe some of you, if you're honest, are there this morning. You're still hustling for what is around the corner, still dreaming about that next thing that's going to make you happy or frustrated about the things or the people who get in your way. And we will stop at nothing, never slowing down to decide if we get where we we are going, will we be happy? Will, Will we be happy with what we are given? This morning, we are going to look at someone who invested their life into something, Today, we're gonna wrap up our series on the book of Nehemiah. And so far, we've seen a couple of things. For the first week, we looked at discover. When Nehemiah saw that there was a problem, he got curious and started the learning process. It's about curiosity. And then the second week, we looked at belonging. You see, then as Nehemiah and the people of Israel built the wall, you see, God was up to something amazing. He built a people and he created a sense of community. And then last week was Father's Day where we reflected on a character study of Nehemiah and we reflected on how each of us can be like Nehemiah and we can be a hero of making a difference for others. Well, this morning, I want us to see how Nehemiah was blessed to be a blessing and how he used what God had given him to invest into something that would last. You see, giving is beautiful because not only does it help us to flourish, but it helps our community and our world to be a more beautiful place. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to follow along in Nehemiah chapter six, or sorry, in Nehemiah chapter five. Right here, Nehemiah is speaking, and so we wanna pick up the story in verse 14. It says this, "'Moreover, from the 20th year of Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor, In the land, until the 32nd year, that's 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those that preceded me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. And all of my men were assembled there for the work, and we did not acquire any land. Furthermore, a hundred and fifty Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me. And every ten days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds, And in spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were already heavy on these people. Remember me with favor, oh my God, for all I have done for these people. The first thing I want us to see this morning is that when we invest in something big, it will cost us something. In the last few weeks, we saw that Nehemiah risked his position and his relationship with the king for the sake of this vision. He was willing to lay it all on the line because he believed that God was up to something. And then last week, we saw how he even had to overcome the rumors and the resistance and the outside opposition from people like Sambalot. He he was willing to risk all of that. But in this passage, we see that he didn't accept his salary. He did not follow the customs and the, and the things that were there as normal, and he didn't place a big tax burden on the people. We see this in verse 14. Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor, but the earlier governors, those who preceded me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels, that's one pound of silver, from them in addition to food and wine. And their assistants also lorded it over the people. And, and that means that for the former governors, they created a culture of oppression where not only did they oppress the people, but also those that followed them also oppressed the people. But Nehemiah didn't do that. Out of reverence for God, he did not take the food, the money, or the land. Colossians three twenty-three and 24 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. For each and every one of us, we are serving God and and we should act in accordance with that and, and, and just love and give with all that we have. That's what Nehemiah did. You see, instead of oppressing the people, he responded in the opposite spirit. Verse 16 says, I devoted myself to work on the wall. You see, he rolled up his sleeves and he got in the trenches and Nehemiah worked alongside the people. And not only did, did he do that, he even challenged his men and his followers to do the same. You see, Nehemiah could have lined his own pockets. That was customarily and rightfully his. But that's not what he did. He invested in the people. He went the opposite way, which is to mean that he not only created a culture of generosity, he also encouraged those who followed him to do the same. That's servant leadership. That's modeling a different way. That's investing in God and believing that God is up to something. But on top of that, Not only did he invest, but he was was so generous that he invited 150 people to eat at the table with him. That's like a wedding reception every night of the week. Think about that for just a minute. Think about how fun that would have been. Party at Nehemiah's house. I mean, it would have just been so fun and so awesome to enter in. But also think about how expensive that would be. I mean, I often work up at Hidden Oaks and and I connect with that and I just see how much people spend. It's a lot. I mean, whenever I was in youth ministry, we used to joke about what's the difference between a youth pastor and a large cheese pizza. A large cheese pizza can feed a family of four. But in all seriousness, 150 people in today's money would be thousands upon thousands of dollars every night of the week. And he did it simply out of the overflow of his heart. That's generosity. That's the way in which God had so inspired Nehemiah to live in this exciting new way. In the same way, the gospel is the best news any one of us could ever hear. That God has so richly blessed me that more than I could ever imagine, and it makes me want to throw a party and invite all of you. It just... That's the beauty of what the gospel has done for me and for us and for each one of us. And yet, the joy of following Jesus does cost us something. It may have cost some of you too, just like it cost Nehemiah. But Nehemiah gave up a lot and and he didn't look back. But you see, that's not the end of the story. And I don't want to end there because Nehemiah didn't know how all this was going to turn out. And so he risked all of this without knowing the end of the story. And so let's pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 6 to see how it ends. Nehemiah chapter 6, starting in verse 15. And so the wall was completed on the 25th day of Ul, in the 52 days, when all of our enemies heard about this. All of the surrounding nations were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. 52 days? 52 days to complete the wall, the doors and the gates and all? That's incredible. It took them six months of planning and preparation, of prayer and sharing the vision. And yet they completed the wall around the entire city in 52 days? I mean, that's just mind-blowing to me. My wife has been waiting 52 days for me to fix a squeaky door in our bathroom. I mean, seriously. We often overestimate what we can do in a single day. But we often also underestimate what can be done with a large group of people over a long period of time when we see a vision. And here, the people of God worked together and they completed this massive project and it was nothing short of a miracle because they caught the vision, they jumped in, they said, I wanna be a part of doing this, each doing their own part, some standing by guarding, some working hard, some, like just each person doing their part and they pressed in. This project was such a marvel that all of the nations and the enemies of Israel that were surrounded them took note and they Feared God. You see, Nehemiah's return on investment was out of this world. Do you think he thought it was worth it? I'm sure he did. But in reality, all of my investments, not just my money, my time, my energy, my love, but but all of my investments, of all the ones that I regret most, none of them are the ones that I placed into the hands of God. It's the ones that I take into my own hands that I often regret. You see, the early church in the book of Acts understood this. In Acts chapter two, starting in verse 44, it says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. What an exciting moment. They lived together and relied on each other in generosity. And they just had so much fun in those moments. And they all worked together and they all contributed. So much so that one of the first four-letter words that became a cuss word in the early church was the word, mine. It's like a little baby who one of the first words they say is, mine, mine, mine. Mine kills generosity. Mine kills community. It shifts the whole meaning of love and grace, which is all about giving, to a world built on lust, power, and taking what is, and here's that four-letter word again, mine. I wish all of my investments turned out like Nehemiah's. I mean, I have incredible timing. I just put $100 into Bitcoin and turned it into $75 overnight. But the reality is sometimes in life we win and sometimes we lose. And sometimes we think what we think is true is really just a lie. At the beginning, I told the story of Alex. But the craziest part of Alex's story is that he wasn't actually $730,000 in debt. No, he actually had a positive balance of $16,000. He had been lied to. There was a flaw in his account. But unfortunately, by the time they realized it, it was too late. Jim Elliott, a missionary who gave his life to share the gospel with a tribe of unreached people in the Amazon, said this. He said, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me read that again. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We give our lives, when we give our lives to Jesus, no matter how broken and bitter it is, God does something amazing. He transforms us and he does something that it, it still blows my mind. You see, life is often like a lemon and, and we go through brokenness and, and we begin to be squeezed and crushed and broken on so many ways. And, and lemon juice, I don't know if you've ever just drank pure lemon juice. I mean, it is like, woo, it is sour. It's bitter and it's overpowering. But when lemon juice is transformed by the power of the gospel, when when God adds that sugar, it does something incredible. It transforms our brokenness. And lemonade becomes this refreshing, life-giving thing. And on a hot day, it can be just one of the most rejoicing and just beautiful things. In the same way, when we invest our life into God's kingdom, He takes our lemons and He makes something Beautiful. You see, investing is really just about saying yes to God and allowing God to use us and to leave the results up to Him. And this morning, it leaves me with a question. Why should we invest? What is our mission? What are we investing into? And around here at Solid Ground, we believe in changed lives. You see, we want to see a transformation right here in Rancho Cucamonga It's not about just us, but it's about about building the kingdom of God and seeing God do something beautiful. If you want to be faithful in in the big things, we often need to start with the small things. And in Scripture, there are two principles that remind me of this. In Luke chapter 21, in, in verses 1 to 4, we hear the story about the widow's mite. The mite is just another way of saying two small coins. And Jesus says this. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had. Now, this is not about how much we give, but it's about being willing to give out of the generosity of our hearts. This widow forever became a model for us as to what generosity looks like. She gave all that she had. And it doesn't matter whether we follow the example of Nehemiah or the example of the widow. It's just about being generous with what God has placed in our hands. It's taking our talents, it's taking what God has given me and placing it into his hands and leaving the results up to him. And in another point, Jesus says this in John chapter 12, verses 24. Very truly I tell you, unless the kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And anyone who loves their life will lose it. But anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And what he's saying there is he's not just, he's using a metaphor. He's not just saying that we would hate our life, but in comparison to the kingdom, it's, it's about investing. It's about letting my life die so that it be, can become 30, 60, and 100-fold more beautiful, that the return on investment will be worth it. So as we close this morning, I want to leave us with a couple of challenges. And the first one is this. I just want you to hear me say this loud and clear. I just want to say, Thank you. Thank you for being a generous church. That's one of the things I love about this church is is the way in which I see us investing and taking this call seriously, not just with our money, but with our time, with our resources, with our words, the way that we care for other people, inviting people into our homes. Well, maybe in our homes has been hard in this last season, but all of us are investing something and we're using our talents for God's kingdom. And I want to say thank you thank you for being a church that invests well we invest not only here in solid ground but we invest into our community in the ministries that our church supports like assure crisis pregnancy center like pasadena uh, or sorry like um, pacific lifeline which is an opportunity for battered women and our church supports so many missionaries who are doing amazing things and so i just want to say thank you but secondly, I also wanna challenge us to just take a moment and to think, where am I investing my life? And when I think about it, am I happy about it, or does it make me anxious? You see, this morning, this is not about me getting something from you, but it's about me wanting something for you. This is about invest, an investment that will pay off. This is like positive insider trading, where I'm gonna give you a tip, and it's gonna be a tip that re- Just so many blessings that will just pour back into your life. You see, generosity is contagious. And it creates this beautiful cascade of never-ending generosity. And it leaves a wake of beauty in its path. And that's what I want for each and every one of us this morning. And so this morning, that leaves me with only one question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Are lives really being changed? And, and, and is it worth it for me to invest in what God is doing? And so I want to leave us with a story this morning. You see, this past Monday night, I sat in a circle of a group of men. And as we worked through a workbook on the 12 steps, we came to the end of steps two and three, becoming willing to turn our lives and our will over to the care of God as we understand Him. And, and we came to this point, or the exercise in the workbook, where we wrote a letter to our higher power, and I sat transfixed as men and I together took time to journal and, and, and to then to share our letters. Now, our meetings are confidential, and so I can't usually share some of this, but I ask special permission to share just this one point. One of my friends who I've come to know broke the silence as he read his letter, and he shared about how he had always known God ever since he was little but that it's just been recently that his relationship has taken a different turn as he's come to know God more fully in our meetings as he's began to walk this journey. And at the end of the night, he pulled out two trays of cupcakes and shared a sacred moment with all of us as we together celebrated a year of sobriety. I can't tell you what it's like until you have been there. I can't tell you how much this meant to see the smile on his face. A year of sobriety is a real milestone that many people in Recover never get the chance to celebrate. But here he was, a a year of letting go of shame, a year of forming a new habit, which often takes, you know, like they say, 30 to 60 days to form a new habit. And here he was a year into that, a year of embracing a whole new way to live. It was one of the most powerful things. I just went home just so giddy and grateful for God for what he was doing in the lives of these men who sat in this circle. I have never celebrated communion with a cupcake, but somehow I knew that God was smiling down and saying, this is my body broken for you. I was amazed and I was just, ah. Uh, It was sacred ground as as that became church, right there and right in that moment. Here we were, a group of people, stumbling towards the grace of God. Generosity is about investing into that. And as a church, I just want to say thank you for the ways in which you invest into so many things, including our recovery ministry. Thank you for, for investing into what God is doing. And so, church, is it worth it? You bet it is. Thank you. And let's keep doing that together. This morning, as we close, I want to say a prayer together. And I want to challenge us together to just to press into what God would have for each and every one of us. And so I invite you to open your hands and to look down and to think about the talents that God has placed inside of each one of us. The brokenness that God is still yet to turn bitter lemon juice into beautiful lemonade, or whether it's our talents or whatever it is, I invite you to to think about that for just a moment, and then I invite us to just extend out our lives to God as we pray. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for the testimony of Nehemiah and the way in which he took that which you had given him and invested it into your kingdom to building that wall that would stand as a testimony, as protection for your people, but also as a testimony for you building a people. And God, as we invest, let us remember that it's always worth it, that you are up to something in our life. And it's not just about giving all of this away, but it's about seeing you transform us in the process. And so, Lord, God, we give you all that we are. We surrender it to you. And we leave the results up to you. And we say, here it is, Lord. Multiply it for your kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here with us together, church. I am so blessed to share with you. If you do have prayer requests, or if there is something that's still in your hands that's maybe heavy this morning, I invite you to reach out for prayer. Message us or let one of the prayer people know here today. But as you go, may I just say this blessing over you today. May God be gracious to you. May he make his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. And may you, as you walk in generosity, experience the rich reward of all that God wants to pour into your life. And may we break free from the idols and the things of this world that want to lie and steal and kill and destroy. And may you walk in Christ's freedom and beauty. Have a great week. I love you guys.